I'd like to introduce you to this wonderful person, the Lord Jesus, tonight. We normally turn to the Gospels to learn about Jesus, because that's where he's presented. There are four Gospels, and all four Gospels present Jesus in a slightly different way. But I'm just interested in the introduction, the way that the Gospels uh, introduce us to Jesus for the first time. And I want to begin with John's Gospel. John's Gospel, chapter 1. I'm just going to read verse 29. This is the first moment recorded in John's Gospel when Jesus appears on the scene as a man. And it's John the Baptist who uh, is seeing him arriving in this way. And in verse 29... Scripture says, on the morrow, he, that is John the Baptist, sees Jesus coming to him and says, Behold the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. I never know whether to read all the scriptures at the beginning or whether to speak about them one by one. I think this time I'm going to speak about them one by one. (laughs) So this is John's presentation of when Jesus first appeared on uh, on the scene, shall we say. It's not the first thing that John says in his Gospel about Jesus, because he begins by telling us that he was the Word, and he was there in the beginning with God. And it tells us that it was through Jesus that everything that has life received being, and without him not one thing received being, that is, became alive uh, without Jesus having done it. So all life has had its origin in this person, Jesus. But then, a little later in the opening of his Gospel, he tells us that the Word, this person, this being that was there from the beginning, it says the Word became flesh. Now that means that he became like you and me, in flesh and blood. And he came into this world. Now the other Gospels tell us much more about that, the way Jesus came into the world as a babe in a manger, and how he grew up. Um, but John, in his Gospel, introduces, introduces us to Jesus um, quite dramatically in the verse that I read. And he sees Jesus coming to him, and he says, Behold the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. That was his statement, that was his introductory statement that introduced Jesus to his disciples. Because John the Baptist had disciples who followed him. And what a a statement it was, the the Lamb of God. That would have made them think, well what does he mean? This man walking towards us, the Lamb of God. Well John uh, the Baptist said that very deliberately because he knew that Jesus had come as the saviour of the world. And to be your saviour and my saviour, Jesus had to die. And that's really what it means, that he was the Lamb of God. He was was coming to be a sacrifice for sin. The Lamb of God would be known to the Jews of the day because the Passover Lamb was something that they wouldn't have known all about. That was the Lamb that was taken and slaughtered um, as a reminder to them 
that they were saved from Egypt. They were brought out of Egypt by God, the Jewish nation, the Jewish people, and they were delivered from the bondage of Egypt. And that speaks to us about the state that you and I are in. We're in the world, we live in the world, and if we're not careful, we get formed by all the forces that exist in the world, and they're evil forces. Um, And the, the most dramatic one of those evil forces is, is Satan himself, the very devil, the one who is opposed to God, the fallen angel, who has determined and set himself in opposition to God and, he, and wants to uh, take you away from God and wants to keep you from knowing the Lord Jesus as your saviour. And that's the, the world that you and I are living in, a world that would seek to keep us away from God and ever prevent us from being uh, one of his um, his children and to be with him in heaven. <clears throat> but they, Jesus came to put that right and to make it possible for you and I to be children of God and to be in his presence forever, to be saved from the sin that marks us all as, though, as a fallen race because that is what we are. The human race is a fallen race because the first man, Adam, disobeyed God. First man and woman, Adam and Eve, they sinned. And because they sinned, their sin, as it were, really has passed upon the whole human race. We're all tainted by it, all marked by it. And uh, there is no remedy apart from the Lord Jesus Christ dealing with your sins and my sins. And that's what he has done. And so John the Baptist said, the first time he saw Jesus coming, behold the Lamb of God, that's the one who's going to take away the sin of the world. That's the, he's the one who's going to make it possible for you and I to uh, be saved and to have a place, a home in heaven with God eternally. So that was the way he was introduced. And John goes on in his Gospel to bring out more and more features of the Lord Jesus, so that you might get to know him. Some of you here, I know, have been to university, and I expect many of you may have attended talks, and usually the person who is about to speak gets introduced. Now, I know I wasn't introduced tonight, because you all know me, but many times you'll be listening to somebody who you don't know. And in the Gospel, I'm presenting a person that you might not know, the Lord Jesus. And so it's important that he is introduced to you. Um, So often when you go and listen to a speaker that you don't know, he'll be introduced to you and you'll be told all sorts of things about him. Usually his qualifications, usually where he's come from, where he works, what he does and what qualifications he has to talk to you about the subject. The only qualification I have to talk to you about Jesus is that I know him myself as my saviour. I have a personal link with Jesus. So I know him. And I can talk to you about him. But the most accurate information you can get about the Lord Jesus is found in God's word. And as I said, um, the parts of this Bible that speak to you most about the Lord Jesus are the Gospels. And so I read from John's Gospel. And he's introduced uniquely in John's Gospel, and we we understand the deity of the Lord Jesus, that he's the Son of God. 
is the Lamb of God, the one who came to die, the one who came to deal with sin and, and remove it and take it away. He takes away the sin of the world. Uh, and he does, he's done that by dying on the cross at Calvary and shedding his precious blood. And that is a sacrifice that God has taken account of. And it's a sacrifice that's powerful enough to save every single person in the world who has ever been born. Um, but there is a but. It's not an automatic process. It requires that you come to Jesus yourself and accept him as your own saviour and put your trust in him personally and say to Jesus that yes, I know you've come and died for me and I want to make sure that I am one of those that will be saved. And you can do that by saying to Jesus, I accept that you have done it for me, that I'm a sinner and I need my sins taken away. And by coming to Jesus in that way, you can know that he will save you because he's willing and he's able to do it. He's a wonderful saviour as we sang. What a saviour he is. The other Gospels introduce him in a slightly different way. Two of them talk about the way he came as a babe in the manger, um, how he um, grew up uh, and his humble beginning, his lowly beginning. He didn't come with any uh, great fanfare or introduction. He was known, that it was known that he would come because it's been prophesied in the Old Testament and there were those that were watching for him and waiting for him, just a few, not many. Um, but God revealed to them, those shepherds for example, God revealed to the shepherds that Jesus had been born. That the Saviour, in fact they use that very word, the Saviour has been born today in Bethlehem. But when Jesus appears in a public way, that is as the Saviour walking as a man, a grown up man, he was about 30 years old when he uh, entered the, the scene and when people be- met him and began to understand what he was like. The other Gospels all introduce him in a slightly different way that shows that he was a perfect man. Now what I wanted to read to you was Luke's account of Jesus appearing on the scene and it's in chapter 4 of Luke's Gospel. Again, it's John the Baptist who first met Jesus and baptised him. He was Jesus was baptised. And I just mentioned that in passing because that shows that Jesus wanted to identify himself with you and me. He didn't need to be baptised. Baptism was bringing him in a new, uh, a, new re- a new standing, a new relationship, a new identification. Um, and it's, it marked a change from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Marked a change from the Jewish way of things to, to what is Christian, what is associated with Christ, what is associated with the Lord Jesus. And the Lord Jesus has associated himself in that way with man, with you and me. And so he was baptised, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him, and there was a voice that came out of heaven and said, it was God speaking, this is in verse 22 of chapter 3, and the voice said, Thou art my beloved Son, in thee I have found my delight. So there... In one sense, God was introducing his son to the world in a voice that came out of heaven. And it was at the moment after he had been baptised. And then you get a little passage which gives his 
genealogy. And uh, it shows that Jesus could be traced all the way back um, to God. But we won't go into that today. But what I want to read is from chapter 4, verse 1. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness forty days, tempted of the devil. And in those days he did not eat anything. And when they were finished, he hungered. And the devil said to him, If thou be Son of God, speak to this stone, that it become bread. And Jesus answered unto him, saying, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. And the devil, leading him up into a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the habitable world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, I will give thee all this power and their glory, for it is given up to me, and to whomsoever I will I give it. If therefore thou wilt do homage before me, all of it shall be thine. And Jesus answering him said, It is written, Thou shalt do homage to the Lord thy God, and him alone shalt thou serve. And he led him to Jerusalem, and set him on the edge of the temple, and said to him, If thou be son of God, cast thyself down hence. For it is written, He shall give charge to his angels concerning thee, to keep thee. And on their hands shall they bear thee, lest in any wise thou strike thy foot against a stone. And Jesus answering said to him, It is said, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And the devil, having completed every temptation, departed from him for a time. So I've read this little passage just to illustrate to you the wondrous perfection of the Saviour Jesus. To show that he is totally different to every single, every other man that has ever lived and ever will live. The devil tempted Jesus and it appears that he was tempted for probably the whole of that time of 40 days that he was led into the wilderness to endure. And the devil brought every kind of temptation. Now I mentioned earlier that this world that we live in is full of evil forces and this force that came to bear upon the Lord Jesus if you like was a test and all the gospel writers present this temptation that Jesus went through um, as an introduction of the quality of the Lord Jesus as a perfect man. Because he, he never failed, he was never tempted, and he never succumbed to any of these forces of evil that came to bear upon him. Now you think about what the devil tried to do to Jesus. He just spent 40 days without eating. Now, I've never ever gone more than possibly one day without eating. Uh, but think about 40 days, that's a whole, that's more than a month. That take, would take you nearly up to Christmas without eating. Well, it's almost impossible to imagine what you, what the feeling of, in your body might be at that point. It just says simply that Jesus hungered. He was a real man, he hungered. Just because he was God doesn't mean that he was superhuman in such a way that He never felt hunger like you and I do. He really hungered. And that's when the devil thought, now I will tempt him in such a way that he can't refuse. And he tempted him and he tried to make Jesus, who had the power to turn a stone into bread, he tried to make him do it to satisfy his hunger. 
that's, that's the way Satan or the devil will tempt you and me. It's one of the ways John in his epistle talks about the three ways in which the world system attempts to um, draw us away from God. And it's the, uh, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And really those three things are what were brought to bear upon the Lord Jesus in these temptations. The lust of the flesh, that's the desire of our bodies to do something and to want something. The Lord Jesus was hungry, he wanted food. And the devil tempted him to make food uh, so that he could eat it and satisfy his hunger. But Jesus resisted that temptation. He knew it was wrong. And why did he know it was wrong? Because he knew the Old Testament scriptures. He's the, he was the author of them after all. He knew he, He's the very one, the God himself, who has written the Holy Scriptures. They are God's word to us, divinely inspired. And he quoted one of those scriptures that says, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. The Lord Jesus knew that God would sustain him through his own, through his word. And uh, he had no need to artificially generate food to keep himself alive. He trusted in God to keep him alive. And so he resisted that temptation. The next one is more to do with what he could see, what we see around us in the world. And you will be tempted by all that's in the world. Believe me, it's very, very tempting that the things that are there, Satan offered to Jesus he said, all the power, all the kingdoms of the habitable world, he showed them everything in a moment of time. And Satan, because he's the prince of the air of this world, he said, I can give it all to you if you just bow down to me. Um, but Jesus, again, he resisted that temptation. Not like you and I. How many of us have failed when it comes to the temptation of seeking something that our eyes long for? something that we want, something that we'd love to have, or an experience that we'd love to go through in some part of the kingdoms of this world. And um, we find that it can, it can sometimes we become so occupied with these things that we, we love and enjoy that we start to lose uh, what God has in mind for us. And Jesus reminded Satan that, says, Thou shalt do homage to the Lord thy God and him alone shalt thou serve. The God of this world, Satan, wants us to worship him, wants us to do all that he wants. And what it does, it causes us to feed ourselves so that everything is what we see, it's the lust of the eyes that makes us want to do these things. But Jesus, he resisted it. And he resisted it again by the Holy Scriptures that he quoted to Satan. And finally, this final temptation, Jesus was presented with uh, what John later describes as the pride of life. <clears throat> he tempts Jesus to throw himself off the cliff. He says, if you say you are who you are, that you're the son of God, um, you're indestructible. You can jump off this cliff and God will send his angels to, to save you and rescue you. And uh, Jesus because of who he was, he could have jumped off that cliff. He could have 
taken himself gracefully down with a smooth landing because of the power of who he was. He was able to walk through doors. We know that. He was able to appear um, all of a sudden. Um, what great power he had. He was able to walk on water. He was able to do all sorts of things. Um, but when he was told to do it as a temptation, um, the Lord Jesus said, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God, quoting him again, scripture, because he knew that what Satan was trying to do was to get him to use his the pride of who he was, the greatness of who he was, to do something um, just to show off, basically. And uh, Jesus was not tempted by that either. What a perfect man he was. And the Gospel writers present him to us in that way. He went, he resisted every temptation that this world could bring to bear upon him. And he was marked by perfection. He came through every trial. And it says the devil completed every temptation and departed from him. It says for a time. Because we know Satan was going to come back and, and uh, take him and try to kill him and uh, eliminate him completely. Um, but we know that that never happened. Because although Jesus did die upon the cross, uh, he did that of his own free will. He went that way for you and for me. He was the Lamb of God. Do you remember from that first scripture I read? The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And he went to the cross and he died on that cross for you. That was one of the things that he did because it was the will of God. God loves you. God so loved you that he sent his son into this world um, to be your saviour. But it meant that Jesus had to go to the cross and die and shed his precious blood, that blood that cleanses from every sin. Because God requires blood uh, as a way of dealing with sin. And normally, if, it, if I'd sinned, it would be me that would have to die and my blood that would have to be shed. But Jesus has done it for me instead so that I can live and I can be set free from that sin and be with him forever. Well, that's the wonderful thing that Jesus has done. But Satan didn't win on the cross. Jesus didn't die, and that was it. No, Jesus was buried. But three days later, he rose again. God raised him from among the dead. He came out of the tomb, and he's alive, and he's alive today. He was seen by many. As many as 500 people saw him. Um, it's a real fact, a true fact, that Jesus is alive and living uh, and he was with the disciples for about 40 days before he then ascended up into heaven where he is today. And he's looking down upon you. And such is his love for you that he's welcoming you as your own, as to be your personal saviour. And so he's there. If you come to him tonight, he will save you. He's done the work. It's finished and complete and perfect in every way. Every aspect of what the Lord Jesus has done is perfect. And it continues to be perfect. It's with a perfect love he loves you. And he will continue to be with you once you put your trust in him until the day when he comes. Now, we were reminded this afternoon, weren't we, that Jesus might come at any moment. It could be today. Um, are you ready for him? Is he your saviour? 
Will he, when he comes, will you be one of those that are called to be with him? Because he will only call those that will put their trust in him. Everyone else that doesn't trust him and has ignored him and has ignored the fact that he's died for them, they will be left behind. And they will suffer an awful time of judgment. They will suffer because of their sins. And ultimately they will, ne- they will never ever be in the presence of Jesus. And they will know the, the living hell of separation from God and Jesus forever. What a prospect. Well, that moment in time, which will determine whether you're with Jesus or not, uh, could be very, very soon. At any moment now. You can't put the moment off to trust Jesus as your saviour. And I just have introduced him to you, the Lamb of God who's taken away the sin of the world. The perfect man who's never done anything wrong. And uh, yet he offered himself. Um, He's that wondrous Lamb of God who's taken away the sin of the world. Well, you can trust him. He is a wonderful saviour. As we sang, uh, what a saviour is Jesus the Lord. He wants, he wants you for himself. He wants, he wants to be the one who controls everything in your life. If you let him be your Lord, he will do that. And so every decision you make as you consult him about it will be determined by him to be for your blessing. Sometimes because we, we wander astray and go astray, uh, things don't work out perhaps as we might have thought they would. But he will bring us back. He always will. He never lets any one of his sheep uh, stray for long. And um, it says here that uh, thousands have fled to his spear, pierced side. Welcome they all have been, none are denied. Well, that's, that's a fact. You will not be ignored or denied if you come to Jesus today. May you do so for his name's sake. Amen.